I think riding liberty, everything, it's a 50-50 partnership. You need to be putting in as much effort as your horse. And if you want your horse to change, then you need to change. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a happy, light and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship, and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication, so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritising partnership with your horse. Want to find out my horse training philosophy? Access the free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Welcome to episode 16 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast and in today's episode I'm going to be interviewing Sophie Stallman. You know her as Sofster Bugsy on Instagram. Sophie was born and raised on her family's horse and cattle property. She loves getting her hands dirty and working on the property whether it be fencing, processing calves or mustering. She says this is where she truly feels at peace. Sophie has always been in love with animals of all shapes and sizes, but horses have taken a special part of her heart. She loves training and creating special bonds with her animals and learning from the process. Sophie really loves working with her horses right from the beginning, where they are present at or just after birth, through their weaning, starting under saddle, playing with liberty and trick training, and eventually competing in camp drafts and challenges. Sophie also loves to teach what she's learnt and so she began her riding and training school where she teaches and helps others build their riding, equine skills and relationships with their own horses. She is currently studying a Bachelor of Equine Science at the University of Queensland. Sophie is a full-time student, part-time photographer and balances study, competitive equine goals, liberty and trick training and teaching horse riding and liberty lessons. In this episode, we discuss Sophie's start with horses growing up on a horse and cattle property, including riding freshly started horses from the age of five, balancing her adventure-packed life on the farm, training horses, teaching others, part-time photography, studying full-time, starting young horses under saddle and competing in camp drafting, her love of studying animal behavior and learning theory and how that has influenced the training of her own horses, The personalities of her different horses, including Bugsy, of course, and Rabbit and her baby horse, Zinc. Sophie's balanced approach and philosophy to horse training. Defining positive and negative reinforcement and how and why Sophie uses both. We discuss bridleless riding with the neck rope, why Sophie and her horses love competing. All about camp drafting, the sport, and training a horse for competitive camp drafting. What makes a happy horse? All the controversial questions as usual, what started her interest in trick training and how she's navigated the various trick training videos on the internet, why blaming the horse for mistakes can be detrimental to your horsemanship, the importance of patience, misconceptions around negative reinforcement, the bits versus bitless debate, who inspires her and what she's currently studying. Plus, I answered some of your requested questions on Instagram, including the process of training a horse for camp drafting and Sophie's advice around teaching horses to rear. Plus, so much more. Sophie is a beautiful, down-to-earth human being with wisdom and knowledge beyond her years. She is humble, intelligent, and passionate, and I'm very excited to bring you this episode full of horsey goodness. Welcome, Sophie, to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Amalia. 
I'm really excited to hear all about your horsemanship journey. So let's start at the start. How did you get involved in horses and what has led you to where you are today? Well, I was actually lucky enough to be born and raised on a horse and cattle property. So I have fallen in love with animals from a very young age. I used to do absolutely everything I could to be with them and be around them. Horses, dogs, cattle, chooks, absolutely everything. I've also been a wildlife carer for quite a few years um, and that was a massive part of my love for animals. Um, when I was really little, before I could ride independently, I was on dad's lap. I was always on a horse with him. He would pull me up and I would ride around with him because I just wanted to be a part of it so badly. Um, when I was old enough to ride by myself, I was very lucky. I got my first pony, which was a little red roan Shetland pony called Rusty. And he was a little bit of a terror. He loved to <laughs> escape from every paddock and he used to love to buck and carry on but I absolutely adored him. I was so proud of him. I would just always lead my little cousins around and ride him as often as I could. I just absolutely adored him. Uh, when I grew out of Rusty, I was very lucky again, and I was given a horse by mum and dad, who dad was also competing on at the time. Her name was Rabbit, and she was a beautiful seal bay horse and she's still with us today. She's actually Bugsy's mum. So Rabbit was born a year after I was. So I was riding her around when I was five and she was a fresh little breaker and we just had an amazing connection from when we were both really young and she has probably taught me the most <laughs> of riding and how to work with horses. She taught me how to muster. She taught me how to be a better rider. She even taught me how to compete. I remember very vividly my very first camp draft with her. I was so nervous. I'd nearly pulled out and I went in to the camp with her and pretty much put my hand down, didn't do a single thing, just tried not to fall off. And she just did the whole thing by herself and was just amazing. And I think we ended up coming second place and it was just awesome. She was very, very special girl. So she's turning 18 this year. Oh, 19. She's turning 19 this year. So she's getting older and she's been amazing for me the last few years. She's been retired from competing, but is helping me give back a little bit. And, and she's helping me teach other younger kids that come for writing lessons with me. And I, I think she really loves it. And she's always been so perfect. And she's the horse that's always a yes kind of girl. So that's just, she's been a massive part of my life. Um, so like I said, we, I, I live, live on a horse and cattle property. So we've, um, we breed and train horses and I, meaning I was on a bunch of different horses from when I was really little. Um, I would all different, riding all different levels and abilities and just loving it. And that really helped with my riding skills. And I was able to jump on any sort of horse and go from there. My whole family can actually ride and we do muster with the four of us sometimes and that's a heap of fun. But dad and I are the main ones who do most of the riding and the training and competing. But my mum loves riding as well. And I think my brother enjoys riding <laughs> when, when we're all together and when we're doing something pretty fun. 
Sounds yeah. amazing. You just yeah. have grown up in the dream horse life on what looks like an amazing property from the videos and pictures on your Instagram. That's so cool. And um, yeah, not too many people on the podcast so far have been brought up in a horsey family. So it's good to hear from someone who has and has had that, um, I guess, that natural start with horses. And yeah. can you tell us um, what a day in the Sophie, it, what a day in the life of Sophie looks like now? <laughs> Yeah, so I I can honestly say that no two days are alike, seriously. Um, and that just comes down to, I think, living on a property, something's always happened. <laughs> There's always someone's getting injured or someone needs moving or the bison have jumped a fence or something's always happened. So that's a big part. You need to be fairly flexible with that sort of thing. Um, I... I work, I work part-time. I'm a real estate photographer part-time. I attend uni full-time. I also give writing lessons and liberty and trick lessons in my spare time, which isn't exactly spare time, but I love it. So I make it happen. Um, and then obviously I am a competitive horse rider. I compete. So I want to train my horses and I want to get better at that. So a lot of time goes into that as well. Um, and then I have lots of animals like I said before I love animals all shapes sizes and since I was little have had everything that you can pretty much think of I just love them so I, I spend a lot of time with my animals just playing mucking around and looking after them. Wow that sounds like a really full-on life so <laughs> you've got the photography for the real estate you're studying full-time what did you say you were studying? I'm studying a Bachelor of Equine Science, so oh, it suits nice. me quite well, yeah. Nice. And what do you plan on doing with the Bachelor? Like, are you eventually going to train full-time or what are your goals in that space? Um, originally, I did want to upgrade into vet science and that was my plan. I've always, since I was a little kid, I knew I wanted to work with animals and I guess the most obvious sort of door that I had to walk through was okay you want to work with animals you'd be a vet and that's always been a dream of mine but then since trying finishing school and actually trying to get into vet to study it's quite competitive and I have um yeah I haven't been able to upgrade so far so I guess I I was doing about uh, just a bachelor of science and it wasn't for me I wasn't loving it so I changed to equine science and I just adore it like I just have so much fun it's really awesome so in the future job wise I don't have anything in like set in place I I've got some ideas I love behavior equine behavior animal behavior in general is probably the path that I want to go down the most but um Apart from that, I, I'm keeping options open and really just keen to see what happens over the next few years. Yep, yep, sounds good. And what else are you into outside of horses and animals? Have you got any other hobbies or interests? Um, apart from I love photography and that's where yeah. the real estate photography came in because I, yeah, I've, I've always loved it. And um, my, yeah, I that just became an option and I love doing that. I love taking photos of my own animals. And if I could expand that business into animal photography later on, that would be awesome. Um, I really love most things related to horses, really. All my hobbies revolve around horses or animals in some way. So 
I'm a, yeah, I'm a boring person like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast can relate though. Like, I think if you're a horse person, your life just revolves around horses. Uh, It really does. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way we like it. Yeah. (laughs) So how many horses do you have? And can you tell us about each of their personalities? Yes. Well, this is, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, this is, uh, I could sit here for six hours and talk about all the horses and all their different personalities, but I'll keep it simple. Um, yeah, like I said, we do have a horse, uh, like we have a rerun a horse business. So we're breeding, training, selling. A couple of years ago, we were breeding seven horses a year and breaking, training, selling. And so obviously we had quite a few horses back then. Um, our general herd is a bit smaller now. I think approximately 20-ish horses at the moment. Only um, 20. <laughs> uh, just roughly, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how many. Oh, it's so bad. But um, no, and it's and that's all different stages and levels. And we've got a few foals at the moment, which I'm so, I'm sure you've seen on Instagram. They're yes. little kitties, Lynx and Fox. Um, and we have our broodmares or our retired horses and our little cl- cluster of um competition horses that are sort of the uh the horses that we are mostly trained and they're just sort of doing fitness and competing and they're heaps of fun to work with um and then obviously all the little babies which are at different stages of being broken in and different levels of training and that's a heap of fun as well but my horses that my life revolve around mostly would be Bugsy of course he is just the sweetest boy he is just my whole world honestly I wouldn't be the person that I am today without him and I know it sounds cheesy especially that he's a horse but I really just far out I just love that horse so much and um he his personality he is uh, a big bossy boots he loves to boss anyone around that he can he loves bossing the babies around although he'd never really do any damage he just likes to prove that he's the big tough man of the house um and then in his herd of all of the horses his age he's probably sits around the middle of the pecking order which is interesting because he's actually not that tough he just thinks he likes to think he is mm-hmm. um and then we've got rabbit who is just the biggest sweetheart and even though it's not my favorite term to use she is a bomb proof kid's horse like she just <laughs> has been there done that done everything I genuinely trust her with my life she is just we've been through so a different relationship with her than with other horses that I have um she's just yeah she's sort of a bit more like a sister or another mum she's just great um she is just loving to everyone always just a sweet just the biggest sweetheart um and then there's zinc the baby which is he's just turned four last at the end of last year so um he is pretty much the opposite to bugsy in most ways personality wise which is really interesting wow. um because they are half brothers yeah so he so is no he's not bossy he's happy he's not he's not necessarily submissive either he just goes and does his own thing and is happy to do that um Bugsy's definitely the laid back lazy just just if we don't have to do the work I'm happy to just sit back and chill Zinc is just a little ball of just fiery energy and he will just just loves running loves bucking loves just doing fun stuff he's just got so much energy always and that's 
yeah, from working with Bugsy for so long and so intensely and then going to Zinc, it was sort of like, whoa, where did this come from? Yeah, wow. <laughs> it was heaps of fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really good. Ah, uh, that's good. It, it and must then, be. Oh, there's yeah. more. There's more. <laughs> no, no, no. No, they're probably, yeah, they're my main three babies. Like I could, yeah, go on and on, but I'll yeah. stick with those three because they're the most, they come up on my Instagram the most people probably yeah. get to see them. Yeah. yeah. And would you say like it sounds like there are a lot of horses that sort of come and go being on the farm? Like are they the, the three that are yours, if you know what I mean? Yeah, like I um, I have a lot to do, especially now that I'm older. I break in most of the horses and um, Dad said, okay, that job's yours now. Yeah. <laughs> now that you're old enough. Um, so I do most of the breaking and I find selling really hard because I get so attached to every horse, but, um, it's just, it's not realistic to be able to keep all the horses in the world, even though I definitely would. Um, but yeah, no Bugsy, Rabbit and Zinc are my, they're my main babies and I have a lot to do with, um, the other competition horses. Like I've just recently got Joey or Johnny Be Good that I do quite a bit with and, I love him. He's fantastic. I haven't had him for as long. Um, so I guess we're still getting to know each other. And um, yeah, but I think those three are probably the most that I have to do with. And then, of course, Lynx, but she's only a baby as well. And I haven't really had a proper introduction with her yet. Yes. So yeah. Nice. And just to clarify, it's camp drafting that you compete in mostly? Yes, camp yep. drafting. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And the breed of horses that you breed is? Uh, stock horse, quarter horse cross. Okay, yeah. yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, and can you tell us a little about your training approach and philosophy now? Like, do you use not a negative or positive reinforcement? Do you have like a method that you follow, or do you have any principles that you use to to guide your training? Can you tell us more about your approach? Yeah, definitely. So I am a big believer in combined reinforcement. I I love it. I love. Um, negative reinforcement I love positive reinforcement and they're both um, very different and I think especially like even including myself when I was younger I I really didn't know how to differentiate the two I I guess I had in my head negative reinforcement oh negative bad 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 I don't want to do negative reinforcement and then I thought pressure and release was something completely different and then positive reinforcement of course I thought all sorts of things such as a negative reinforcement or the pressure and release that the release was the reward and just little things like that that I think unless you really get to sit down and talk to someone about it Mm. you can't differentiate and work through that in your own head and then you sort of get stuck saying the wrong thing like I see a lot of people say oh yeah I only use positive reinforcement with my horse and then you see them leading a horse with their halter and you're like well okay this is actually negative reinforcement you're using a halter that's pressure and release so I guess and that and just this year especially doing the equine science subjects I've had a really methodical breakdown of different um, punishments and different rewards and different training systems and it's been very methodical broken down okay this is actually what this means sort of thing mm-hmm. and and I've loved that and it's just absolutely blown my mind and it probably should have blown my mind maybe five or six years ago but I've never really sat down to think okay so negative reinforcement we're adding pressure and then we're releasing and then we're doing something else and 
For me personally, I love combined reinforcement. I think it was um, Mustang Maddie on Instagram. She introduced a technique. I think it was the cookie on top method or something along those lines. And I loved it. And it was um, you're using pressure and release or negative reinforcement and you're adding a pressure to your horse asking and you're waiting for something. You're waiting for the behavior that you want. When that behavior occurs, you release the pressure and then if it's a big effort or they've really tried for you, then you add a positive reinforcement like a pat or a scratch or a piece of food. And that's probably the method that I use most often now and I really love it. And it works best for me and my horses, I think. Being able to use that with different horses and not all horses are the same. So um, Bugsy is an extremely food motivated horse. Anything, yes. he will do anything for food. But yes. think is you can offer him food while he's doing something and he just has zero interest in it whatsoever. How and interesting. I, yeah, I find that really interesting. And so I'm like, I really had to think then and go, okay, well, if I can't get you to do it with food, how else can I positively reinforce this? And I think something really cool, I just came back from the Brumby project in, um, I can't remember where it was, but <laughs> um, yeah, I just came back from the Brumby project and that's where there are a bunch of people working with Brumbies that have just been captured and they're going through a rehabilitation sort of process to get to go to new homes and start their new lives. And I think for me watching that, I'm, I'm there with Bugsy doing Liberty and he's getting a positive reinforcement from me saying good boy because he knows what that means and it's sort of a clicker training almost mm -hmm. um, rather than the click, it's the good and he can put that together. But then you watch people working with their Brumbies and they might say good boy or good girl and the Brumbies just thinking, oh my God, now this thing speaks <laughs> and that's just a pressure for them. Like you would cluck yeah. your horse and add a pressure and I found that really, really cool to think about like, okay, so they can't even use, they can't like reassure their horse. Oh, good boy. You're doing a good job. Even the soft voice, the horse is just thinking, far out. now it talks, it moves. What am I going to do? So yeah. they have to find, they really have to work with pressure and release. And that's basically where it starts because obviously a Brumby that you haven't touched before, you can't walk up and give it some food and say, no, no, you're doing a good job. They're just, yeah, so I found that really interesting and that sort of, I guess, solidified in my head that negative reinforcement isn't a bad thing. Like lots of people hear negative and go, oh, oh no, 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 I don't want any part of that. It's bad, negative. And it's really not. It's really as simple as just putting any sort of pressure. It could be your voice. It could be clucking. It could be using a whip. It could be just using your hands. It could be you shaking your arms in its face. Like they're all just pressures. Mm -hmm. And the release is that what they're learning from after that. And that, that can be a lot, I guess, better than a lot of people think about it as. Mm -hmm. And I've, yeah, I found that really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And I suppose with that Brumby challenge and being in Queensland, I'm guessing you're around a lot of kind of traditional trainers in a way that perhaps haven't experimented with positive reinforcement or clicker training do you know what some of their views are? Like when you bring out the treat pouch, like have you had anyone go, oh, well, you know, you're going to spoil your horse if you use treats or have you had any remarks or comments like that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, um, and I mean, camp drafting, it came about, it was the Stockman's way of, 
of moving cattle and that's how we split cattle up and and you know we use it at home and and camp drafting was basically a game it turned that into a game so it's a very um different community than i suppose a lot of uh like the instagram community that i'm probably more involved with is very open-minded and um a very different so yeah of course i've had i've had people mucking around at camp drafts and doing liberty and people are amazed and they love it and then they send me give food to the horse and they're like oh aren't you just like bribing your horse to do it then yeah i'm like well okay (laughs) yeah yeah or they're just it's not even something that they really thought of because yeah i know and then opposite end of the spectrum is someone who can only do something with their horse if they're doing it dragging them with a piece of bread or something like that and i suppose you get the two different sides of it and it's really interesting to think about and balance it up and yeah but no there have definitely been comments sort of like oh okay you know um that's that's weird why you're feeding him food like you've just done what you want just release and be done with it why why the extra praise and but that's that's just because they wouldn't have thought of it before and then you break it down and explain it and show them sort of what you can do with that and they're like wow okay wow that was actually really cool i might and people even start applying it to their own horses and see massive differences and go actually you know what that works really well I think I'm going to keep doing that yeah and I've loved that Mm. I think it's good that you mentioned the two sides because yeah you're going to get some people who are way on one side like fully pure positive reinforcement and then you get your more traditional people who are like why are you using treats like yeah (laughs) anyway we could speak for hours on that um I would like to know from you, do you have a mantra or a philosophy that you like to live by? I do. And I I did this, uh, I've posted it on Instagram before and I actually came across it. Someone asked me this a few years ago and I went, oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm the worst <laughs> at remembering these sorts of things. So I did a quick Google and I was looking up like cool horsey quotes and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Scrolling through like, oh, none of these like fit. <laughs> And I ended up on a website, through a website, onto another website, and there was this little quote, um, take away the tack and you're left with the truth. And I, I think I've, I've posted on Instagram quite a while ago, and I really just went, oh, yeah, okay, no. that's. And the more you sort of think about it, the more you, like, really process it and go, actually, you know, you're really onto something there. And I... I love that. And I, that's probably something that I, if not live by, I'm always challenging myself with it. I love to do stuff. Um, like I ride in a bridle, I ride in a bottle, I ride in a neck rope, and then I ride without any tack at all. And I want to be able to challenge myself. Okay. If I can ride this well in a bridle, I want to ride that well with nothing. And if I can't do that, then I'm doing it wrong. And I want to change how I'm doing it. So because my communication isn't clear or I like to think of tack as sort of training wheels in a way. Um, And obviously I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable going out and putting myself in harm's way or my horse in harm's way if it meant taking away all the tack and being like, oh, look, I can still do it. If there was a chance of something bad happening, it's not, I don't think it's about that. I think it's just the communication between you and your horse and saying, you know, like you do take away the tack and it's it's just you and the horse and it's whatever happens between you two and that's your result. Yes, I love that. And I'm sure you experiment a lot with your own horses. 
like with tacklers and that sort of thing. But what about your breakers? Like, do you incorporate any bridleless riding with the breakers or do you not so much experiment with that? Or do you wait till they've ticked off certain criteria first? What, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, that's interesting because with Bugsy, I really just, the first time I put a neck rope in, like dad did, used to do neck roping a lot when he was younger and wouldn't have done it for probably 20 years um, after I, like between when I was born and probably the last few years. And um, I saw someone riding with a neck rope and went, oh, cool, I want to try that. And dad's like, I used to do this all the time. I'm like, yeah, sure you did, sure you did. And he's like, no, seriously. I, I used to like, I used to have all my horses working with the neck rope. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's kind of cool. I want to do that. So um, with Bugsy, I felt confident on him. So I really just took the bridle off, put the neck rope on, went, okay, let's see how we go. And it worked um with zinc and i've ridden uh, quite a few other horses i love riding our sale horses before we take them onto new homes and sell them i love riding them the neck ropes and just sort of just to show how i guess mm, i don't like the word controllable but how well they are responsive and that how sort well of thing. you've trained them <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose and um i love doing that with them so yeah and they're usually younger horses and but it's more of a training process I suppose starting with the bridle and the neck rope and and yeah I love challenging myself and seeing how quickly they can adapt and how quickly they can learn and it's really quite shocking how fast they change over and I had a lot of questions last weekend saying you know how long did it teach you to teach Zink or Bugsy to ride fully in a neck rope and I'm like oh like a day like two days and they're like whoa and it really, they just, they, their horses are so clever. They just, people don't give them enough credit sometimes. They really just work it out. They so are. And I feel like if you're, when you're riding with tack, if you're riding with your body first before you use your reins and, you know, mm. other tools, then it's easily transferable to riding in a neck rope because your horse is already in tune with your body cues. So definitely that's why. I think with people listening, they're like, what do you mean you taught it in two days? But really, <laughs> probably, I'm guessing all of your rides before that, you were really helping your horse understand your body cues, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, sorry, I didn't make that clear, but <laughs> we ride massively like with our legs. Like most of our cues yeah. are coming from our legs. So I, I've never really been like understood the seat thing and because I think that's more of an English concept I suppose or to me it has been and um, so I guess I've never really worked that out in my head but I know that I ride with my legs and I'm massive with riding with legs and that doesn't mean lots of pressure but I want my horses to be able to do yeah just as much stuff with from my legs so when I'm riding with the neck rope it's more just my legs and then the neck rope's the backup Yes. And with our babies, like they start with, you know, you, you pull their nose around and you ask them with the bridle, with the halter or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it's the legs that are my legs or the rider's legs that are really asking the softness and asking the release from pressure. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. So that's the big lead up, I suppose. And you put the neck rope on and they're like, okay, it feels different. There's not something in my mouth anymore. There's nothing on my face, but the legs are still there and I go back to that. Yes. Mm. I'm sensing there are quite a few differences between like being brought up in an English type of riding versus <laughs> would you, what would you say you are like? Um, I mean, camp jumping technically isn't classified as a Western, but it's, yeah. 
it's just an Australian sport. So I, I don't really know what I am. I'm just outback western yeah. sort of riding. We'll call it that. Australian yeah. outback western riding, camp drafting. Yeah. Um, tell us Some, about, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, tell us more <laughs> about your camp drafting competition goals. Cool. Uh, so I love competing and I know that um, a competition and especially in the equine world is a, a massive thing. A lot of people, a lot of bad things happen in the competition world of, I think of any sport really. Um, but equine is very public at the moment and is a big topic at the moment, equine competition. So I think even just me competing is hard sometimes because like in every discipline you see things that you go oh my gosh I that was terrible I don't want to ever see that again or I don't want to ever be like that and I think a lot of people have been or a lot of people are really brave and say do you know what this competition stuff it's not for me I don't like what's happening here so I'm going to go do my own thing or step out of competition respect that but for me I I know that my horses love it just as much as I do. Camp drafting horses and cattle bred horses, they are bred to be what we call as cowy. So that's where they have that natural cow sense. And they, as babies, <laughs> like see cattle and are just drawn to it and they're just excited by it. And then um, it's just, it, it goes from there like, they just love it and our horses are really taught to think for themselves in camp drafting training and you want to be able to I guess put your horse in a position and say okay I've helped you here but now I need you to take over a little bit and I need you to help me and that's where the horse goes okay yep I know this is where I'm going to be I've got to work this out by myself and then you as the rider can help and move them. And then they go brain switches on. Yes. Okay. I've got to be there. I've got to stay here. So I don't know if you've seen a camp draft, um, but it's basically you have a small arena and a large arena and a mob of cows in the smaller one. You and your horse go in, pick one out, take it up to the front of the small yard. And then you work it out and sort of, it's a cutting sort of almost movement. And then you call gate, go out and basically track this cow at a flat gallop um, around the course outside um, and through a gate. And that's the end of the course. So a lot of that, especially in the camp, the goal is to be able to really just pretty much after you've taken your cow to the front is to put your hand down and say, okay, it's all on you now. And the horses are just, they just love it. And they're like, okay, I know what I've got to do. So they're just working so hard by themselves. And I think, yeah, and outside they, they know where they have to be on the cow and they, so many horses you watch, they just strive to be there. And I posted a picture the other day of Bugsy and I as we went through the gate at the end of our course and Bugsy's face is just solid determination because he is just in there and loving it and it's the cutest thing and proper proud mum moment. That's so <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, so they really, I think for me, I know there's a lot of bad things that happen and it happens in all disciplines and I don't want to turn a blind eye to that. I will always stand up for it and, and call someone out if they're doing the wrong thing. But between me and my horses, I know they love it and I really enjoy it myself and that's not something that I am wanting to give up just yet anyway. And so, yeah, I, I love competing. I think it's really great. 
I also just wanted to mention that I love camp drafting for so many different reasons. I absolutely love the horse side of things and it's fabulous. It's so exciting to watch. The horses are just amazing. But I do love and such a big part of camp drafting is the camp draft committees and communities and how people can drive up to 13, 15, 18 hours away just for a weekend camp draft and you just get to meet people from all around Queensland or Queensland, New South Wales, even Australia. And you sit down, you have a drink, you have some nibblies and dinner with people that you haven't seen for ages and you get to have a really good community time. And that's what made it really hard over COVID was that we obviously, there were no competitions. So I really missed that atmosphere and I really missed the social connections and a lot of our friends we don't see unless it's at a camp drop. So it, yeah, we really miss that. And it's great to be back this year, camp drafting again, getting to see everyone and just really getting that social aspect in. And that's been awesome. Amazing. And I guess that's what sport is all about, right? It's the community like, yes, we want to win and we want to do really well and we want to put on a good performance. But if we don't have that community, if we don't have that support and we don't have other people around us who are, you know, on the same mission, then what's really the point? Exactly. Definitely. Why do you reckon the horses love it so much? Like, do you think they see the goal or, or they understand the game and then they get like, I don't know, is, is it intrinsically rewarding for them or what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think they just, it's just in their nature to, to go to that cow and they just, they love cattle and they, or just things that move, I suppose. It's sort of like a, um, Chase in a way. yeah, like a cat, like they see something move, they're a predator and they have to just go catch it and, and cow bred horses sort of they just love that excitement in the game and we we oh, we still have her she's retired now but she's probably one of the best at, um best horses that dad's ever had and her name's hickory chick and she we have a mechanical cow set up in the arena where we can practice um and train on our babies before the cattle stage and um, and that's also, we have that and then the arena on one side and our horse paddock on the other side. And whenever dad would be training in the arena with a mechanical cow, Hickory would gallop up from the end of the paddock and come and she would work on the other side of the fence, just wow. on the cow, on her own. She just absolutely just had a ball and she just would see it move and just straight up and, and lock on by herself and do it all by herself just because I think they just find it fun. They just really enjoy it. And obviously there are some horses that I think have been trained differently and don't have that love for it. To them, it's more yeah. just a job and they just have to do it. I think like in all disciplines, but yeah. the goal is to have a horse that just, they want to be there and they want to do it by themselves. Mm. You're just really sitting there helping out. <laughs> That's so cool. And how is it actually judged? Like, do they score you on your the horse's agility or how how much you have to touch the reins or, like, how does that work? Yeah, so it's um, judged mostly on sort of uh, how you – and so the control of the cow, I think, okay. is a big thing. How So if your horse looks like it's covering your cow and all the pegs really well that's great the closer you can stay to your cow and the more even your circles are the better your judge really just the control of the cow and then also if you if you come out and your horse is wanting to go away from the cow and you're wanting to go to the cow and it just looks 
like not pretty picture then that's yeah. going to be judged more um harshly um and then in the camp um you have two chances to bring your cow out to the front and go out if you drop it that's your um sort of your last one chance sorry that you drop it that's your last chance if you drop it again you're disqualified um so it's yeah it's it's just really exciting it's just such a thrilling sport because it's so fast paced and it's really the runs over in 40 or 50 seconds so it's yeah, just wow. in there and go 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 and there's really no stopping and thinking um once it's started you got to sort of go through with it yeah yeah wow it sounds exciting i reckon one of my horses beauty she would be a bit cowy if that's what you call yeah. it she loves to chase yeah, yeah. And like she'll see the kangaroo, she chases the kangaroos out out of the paddock. Oh my gosh. But she's a warm blood, so I don't know if she's gonna fit in in that mm. crowd, but <laughs> I think that'd she'd be like, so cute though. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all that matters, hey. Yeah, that's it. Um, and speaking of you know different disciplines and the good and the bad of what happens in the competition ring, what do you think makes a happy horse? Um, I think very I wrote some stuff down for this because I I knew that like it's it's a tough question like there's so many things that I think makes a happy horse and a lot of it just basically comes down to good nutrition fresh water having a place to run around with having friends to socialize they're social animals they need to do that despite the I saw a massive debate on Instagram the other day of someone arguing that they didn't need to have their horse in a turnout and they didn't need to socialize their horse. And that just absolutely blew my mind because we have only ever had horses together. The only time we haven't is when we've had client horses that were stallions and they, they obviously had to be separated. And we had the choice recently to keep one of our young horses as a stallion or not. And we decided against it just because we wanted him to have that enriched social life and, you know, obviously there's alternatives and some stallions that are beautiful natures. I've seen so many and they can run with other geldings and that's fantastic. I think that's great. But to to separate a horse away from others is just, I think it's so horrible and I, I, I don't love it unless it's an absolute necessity for the health of the horse. Then I can understand that. But yeah, it's really just a happy horse. I think it's just the basic needs. And as long as they're met, it can only go up from there sort of thing. But I think there is a baseline where yeah. unless all of these needs are met, then you just, your horse is going to be depressed in some way or another and it's yeah. not getting enough. Yeah. It's kind of like in a way with humans, like if we're not healthy, if we're not getting enough sleep, if we're not you know, getting love and social interaction with our friends. Like humans have basic needs as well in order for us yeah. to be happy. And then all the other stuff is like enrichment to our lives. Like with horses, like, you know, I'm sure you would consider your trick training enrichment. Can you tell us if you have any favorite tricks and what sort of started you off with trick training? Yeah, definitely. Um, I And I totally agree with you. Like it's, it's just from there it sort of just gets better and more enriching and better lives and I think that's important um with me I had started I watched I think I was on Instagram just my personal account and I saw this girl do this really cool I think it was a Mustang makeover and she was just did this awesome liberty and free riding 
And I was just like, whoa, that was so cool. I want to I want to be able to do that. And in my little kid head, I'm going, yeah, that'll never happen. Um, and then I just saw more of it and I started looking it up and I went, okay, you know what? I think I could make this work maybe. So I just started and I've never really done an official lesson or anything like that. It's just been trial and error training for the last, seven or eight years, I suppose, and just trying everything with Bugsy. Bugsy was just the most patient boy with me and really just said, okay, what are we doing today sort of thing. And yeah, I just worked through stuff one at a time. And I guess as a kid, I wasn't very patient and I got so frustrated because I could see that someone had just got their horse to lie down. And then I'm like to Bugsy, why can't I just get you to do this? Like, just do it. Come on. Like, why is it so difficult? And I think that's one of the ways that he's just made me such a better person now because my patience has just increased dramatically. And it has to do with animals. You can't expect massive leaps and bounds. You need to build little steps from your ladder and and go from there. And I love that about it. Um, And yeah, no, I, I just think I started watching more YouTube videos I had a really fun sort of sort of lesson with um Brianna Cook who's a good friend of mine um she's up in the Northern Territory at the moment doing amazing things with her horses she's just incredible and um Brianna Jane Horsemanship on Instagram highly recommend she's just incredible and she gave me my first official sort of sort of lesson um when she was at home one time and I loved it I just went okay now I'm hooked now and I just yep researched a bunch more things and just kept working at it just kept trying kept failing tried again failed again tried again and eventually got something that looked half like liberty and half like a trick that I wanted to do and just yep it just it got better from there I suppose How cool. And what a good way to learn as well. Like, I just think sometimes through trial and error learning, you, you really learn those lessons that you can't replicate when someone just tells you exactly what to do. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Absolutely. And I think watching, I did, I spent hours researching and watching videos and, you know, I look up how to get your horse to do Liberty circles and 20 videos would pop up and I'd watch all of them and I'd get through the first 30 seconds of one video and go, Oh, that looks terrible. I don't want to yeah. do that. Oh my gosh. Swipe. Okay. Next one. All right. Oh, I loved how she did that, but I'm not a big fan of this part. Next mm-hmm. video. Oh, okay. I really like how I did this, but I hated how I did that part. Next yeah. one. And sort of just pieced it together myself yeah. and ended up with some sort of a, a, I guess training style and and since then obviously I've changed it so much to the point where I'm confident teaching it as well and I definitely would say that I have so much learning to do and I definitely wouldn't call myself a professional in any way at all but I'm just loving it and I I'm getting better at it and I know that I have improved and my horses are learning faster and easier and and I think that's the best sort of positive reinforcement to me is that it's working and it keeps me going. It keeps me motivated to do it. Yes. I love how you sort of pick and choose what you like from different people. Um, But speaking of things that you didn't like in those videos, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making with horses? Um, I think 
the biggest thing would probably be just blaming the horse for their own mistake. And it's really just as simple as that and can be put out to any sort of um, any sort of thing that you're doing, whether it's liberty, riding, trick riding, um, whatever it is. It's the fact that something's gone wrong and the, the horse and the rider are both confused and going, ah, oh, this isn't working out so well. And then the rider flipping out at the horse going, you know, understand, why don't you get it? Like, it's your fault. Or if the horse has recently been sent to a trainer, I think a lot of mistakes or frustrations happen after someone sent their horse away and the trainer who knows what they're doing is confident in their methods. They train this horse, the horse understands it's easy. And then the person gets their horse back and their riding style is completely different and may not be giving the clearest signals and the clearest cues. And then the horse goes, oh my gosh, this is so confusing. I'm just going to freeze or I'm going to freak out or I'm going to go back to bucking because that's what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. And the rider will immediately blame the horse because they're stupid and because they don't get it or they'll go straight back to the trainer. You haven't trained my horse. You haven't done a damn thing. This is terrible. And when really it's just they need to open their mind up to the fact that okay maybe it's me maybe I need to change maybe I could improve myself if the horse is getting trained then maybe I should be there I should be watching how the horse is being ridden how it works better how I can be better I think it's I think riding liberty everything it's a 50-50 partnership you need to be putting in as much effort as your horse and if you want your horse to change then you need to change if that makes sense like I think that that's yeah I think that that's the the biggest mistake that I sort of see and people just getting so frustrated with anyone but themselves. And if they could just open their mind to the fact that, oh, hang on a second, I was doing that so wrong. Let me change it. And then, and they change and then they go, oh, wow. Like, this is amazing. You're doing everything perfectly. Oh, okay. And yeah, that would definitely be the biggest thing for me. Hmm. And that should be freeing for people as well, because, you know, themselves is something that they can control as in like they can take action and, you know, learn how to be a better writer or learn how to have lighter cues or whatever it may be. Whereas if you're constantly blaming, you know, the trainer or the horse, that's sort of out of your control. Like you, you can't change other people. Yeah. You can change yourself. So I really like that you made that. Definitely. Um, can you tell us what is something you once did with horses that you now no longer do and why is that? Um, probably just back to the patience thing. I used to just be just the most impatient kid. I just wanted things to happen. And I, if I could see someone doing it, I thought, okay, well, it's possible. So I just want it to happen. And and I, I couldn't wrap my head around Um, I suppose okay no this takes time you need to work on it you need to take baby steps and and I as a kid like you see something amazing or you do something amazing you go oh my god do it better 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 okay this is great oh my gosh (laughs) and you can't you can't break it down it's really difficult unless someone pulls you aside and say actually look how far you've come like this is incredible you are doing amazing right now like this is great now let's take that slight next step and then and like I I think back to myself, I've just been having a very sort of questionable um, week leading up to my performance at the Brumby Project and, and reflecting on myself and thinking, wow, like I really haven't done 
anything amazing since last year, since I performed there last year. And this was a very unproductive year in my Liberty and Trick. And I was, I was a bit down about it because I was thinking, wow, I've done so much. And then the last 12 months, like, where did that go? I've done nothing. I haven't, I really haven't done anything. And it was, I think it, it wasn't that I hadn't done anything. It was little things. It was perfecting things. It was getting stuff better. It wasn't any dramatic new tricks. Like mm-hmm. I think in, in one year I taught Bugsy how to bow, lay down and rear. And, mm-hmm. and then the last few years, and especially last year, I just felt like I did nothing. And I was really like, oh, well, that sucks. I'm, I'm a failure now. I haven't done anything. But yeah, I think once I... Um, I was talking about it with mom and dad and they were like, well, actually, you know, like this is looking great. And if you look at a video of you doing exactly this with you and Bugsy a year ago, it's just little things. And I think it's easy to get stuck, even riding. I think it's easy to get stuck. Wow, nothing's changed. I'm stuck. It's a bit of a creative block, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But when you break it down, something's changed. Something has always changed and it's always getting better. Yeah. Even if it's not huge, massive steps, those little tweaks, those, you know, that 1% improvement makes all the difference added up over time. Exactly. Yep. And what is something that you believe is true that a lot of horse people disagree with? Um, maybe negative reinforcement. I think, I think it does have a really bad name and I, I've spoken to people about it just in conversation and they're like you wouldn't use negative reinforcement your horses love you and I'm like what do you think it is like come on it's okay negative reinforcement pressure and release and yeah I think I've um and I in my eyes wouldn't have been open to that I thought negative reinforcement was the worst thing in the world up until last year and someone told me about it and broke it down I was like oh I I do that every day and they're like yeah and I'm like oh okay so I think yeah it's pretty simple one but I think that is a bit mind-blowing for some people yeah and it's funny how we sort of learn it the wrong way around like we learn how to ride you know we get good with horses and then all of a sudden we learn the learning theory and we're like oh that all makes sense now yeah exactly (laughs) oh my gosh so many things yeah it really should and and like we've done a lot at uni about um desensitizing and habituation and people get those two so confused as well and a lot of people are like okay I've just desensitized my horse to something when really desensitizing probably isn't the process that you use that's more like flooding your horse or or just really just throwing it all in there and you're habituating your horse in steps and then you've worked up to a desensitized horse, but you don't just go straight to desensitizing. It's the habituation process. And then all of a sudden you have a desensitized horse. And I think like just so many examples like that. And I, I love that. And I've, I've been sitting in class with my jaw on the ground going, oh my gosh, I've been saying things so wrong. This is, this yeah. is silly. I should know this. Mm, how interesting. It sounds like you're really passionate about the equine behavior side of things. And oh, I love um, it. <laughs> Along the same lines of the positive negative reinforcement and you know mistakes that people make, can you tell us your thoughts on the bits versus bitless debate? Yeah, I I ride with a bit, I ride without a bit, I ride <laughs> necro tackless. You know, I think 
I think that any piece of equine equipment um, can be used in a cruel way and I think it can be used in a kind way. I also sometimes ride with spurs, which I know is a very controversial thing and I don't always do ride with spurs and I don't want to ride with spurs if I can't do what I'm asking from my horse without them. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that a lot of people will never ride with spurs and will never ride with a bit. And I highly respect them. And I think, you know, if that's, if that's what they want to do, that's fantastic. And I really do respect that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I like to ride with a bit because I think that I, I can get um, a more precise sort of communication and same with the spurs. And it doesn't like, it doesn't have to be cruel. I think that's another thing people people hear spurs and they hear bit and they go oh yuck like why would you do that to your horse and I've I've been experimenting with a leather bit at the moment which is obviously quite a bit softer and that's been really interesting to see how the horses respond and and it's really the same as an as a normal bit or as a hackamore and I think yeah I think as long as you have that communication with your horse and they're understanding it if your horse has never ridden in a bit before and you just put one in their mouth and say okay deal with it that's going to be really harsh on them and it's going to be really rough whereas if you sort of break it down and make it easier and I think it it can be a positive thing for them and it can be a positive thing for the rider because a lot of the time um, you're using less pressure or you're I don't know. It really just depends on the horse themselves or the rider. I have horses that I wouldn't ride with spurs just because they don't like it or because they wouldn't, they don't really, yeah, they just don't enjoy it. So why would I put that on them then? I'm not, I'm not a cruel person. I don't want to do something that they don't want to do. Um, But yeah, I don't think that it affects a lot of the horses. They don't see it as, Oh, okay. She's not wearing them. Oh, she's wearing them now. That's terrible. It's just all the same to them. Yeah, yeah. Mm, very wise. Um, and speaking of leather bits, um, what you were talking about before, I've, I've actually always wondered what that would be like because you know how some horses just love chewing leather? You know, they love yeah, just yeah, yeah. Up leather things. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if my horse would like a, a leather bit. But um, anyway, I'd love to know what horse-related purchase has most positively impacted your life in the last 12 months. Um, I am, I'm a very, not a very good buyer. I hate shopping. I even, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not even a big fan of horse related shopping. Um, so I don't buy a lot. Most of our equipment is at least 50 years old, um, (laughs) which is pretty funny. But, um, I think a little while ago, I got quite a few new neck ropes from, um, free riding neck ropes and I adore them. I absolutely love them. Use them nearly every day. Um, also the, uh, leather bit was a really cool purchase and that was, I guess, out of my comfort zone because I'd never really heard of it. I had no idea how to use it. I was, didn't even know how the horses would react to it, but it turned out to be an awesome purchase and I really love it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And if you could have dinner with any three horse people dead or alive, who would it be and why, and what would you like to ask them? Mm, I really struggled with this question. <laughs> I have so many people on that list, so I'm going to expand it to a little more than three. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, ben Atkinson um, would have to be up there. I really think that he's such a cool trainer. I would love to get to meet him one day and just, I think, yeah, I think he's really incredible. Um, Alyssa Pelly, 
Um, she's amazing as well. And her two Lusitanos are incredible. I love watching them. One of the first horsey sort of liberty trick people that I ever followed on Instagram was Tanya and Bettina from Native Horses on Instagram. And they, I guess, were one of the first people that sort of opened my mind up to liberty and trick riding. And that was really cool. They made a lot of things sort of available in my head that I'd never thought of before. And that was really cool. And uh, Matilda Brent too. I um, absolutely love her and the relationship that he she's had with her horses. And if I could add one more person in, it would probably be Matt Harnicky because he just seems like a cool, a yeah. cool guy and just a bunch of fun. And he's, yeah, he's from Australia too. So that would be heaps of fun. Um, the questions, gosh, I would ask them so many questions until they would never speak to me again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, probably less less questions and more just watching, I suppose. Yeah. If I could really just go and, and stay with each of them for a month and just watch everything they do and just and drill it into my brain, that would just be amazing because I, I really respect all of them and I think they can do amazing things with their horses and just to be able to watch that and learn how they've built that relationship with their horses because they all teach differently and... Um, but their horses adore them all the same. And, you know, I think that's really cool. Yeah, cool. Well, we'll have to tag each of those people in this podcast <laughs> and hopefully they'll listen and be like, yes, Sophie, come and live with me for a month. Come and invite me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, so if you could turn back the time and talk to yourself 10 years ago, you've sort of already spoken about the getting frustrated and maybe a little greedy in your training. Um, yeah. What, what would you tell yourself? Um, probably just to have fun with it. It's yeah. especially just with the Liberty and trick training, there's no rule book. There's no competition that you're preparing for. There's no strict, um, you can do this. You can't do this. Like it's just, it's just fun. There's no timeline. And I got caught up a few years, like just, just with little things like, oh my gosh, why can't I get it? And back to that frustration thing, but just have fun. It's supposed to be fun. The horses are enjoying it. You're enjoying it. There's no rush at all. And yeah, just, just to have fun. Yes. I no pressure. That. Yeah. That's the way it should be all the way through with horses, right? Definitely. Absolutely. Exactly. I know. Yeah. How are you continuing to learn about horses? What are you currently studying and who teaches you? How often, et cetera? Um, so I'm studying the Bachelor of Equine Science, which has blown my mind, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, my dad is a massive influence in my life. He, like I said, he's grown up riding horses. He spent approximately 20, 30 years training horses, outside horses. And so he has ridden probably more horses than I will ever ride like it's ridiculous and so he's an incredible trainer he finds that pressure and release so easily and quickly and he's releasing before I've even seen the horse do it sort of thing so he's just really like is a proper horseman and has a connection with every horse that he rides and they just get him and he just gets them and yeah. I think that's really cool and he but then again, the, the downside of that is that I've grown up every day of my life riding with a, my own personal trainer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's been many times where I've, I don't know, challenged different ways and, 
and he's explained to me, okay, you know what, I've actually tried this and this happens. And then there's times where I've done things like um, the positive reinforcement, he's a big positive reinforcement with scratches and good and, and, but not so much with the food. And I guess um, that was sort of, he was one of the people who went, you know, like, why, like, do you really need to do that? And um, just because he just didn't know. And the more I did it, the more he saw and he went, you know what? Okay. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. And so he's, yeah, he, him and mom are my biggest supporters and I love them to bits and having dad there, like I've never really had to ride alone in a way. I know some people prefer <laughs> to ride alone, but I love riding with dad. It's heaps of fun. I'm always learning something with him and He's got so much experience and it's just, yeah, it's really cool. We challenge each other a lot and I think that's really good. Mm, that sounds amazing. You've basically had your own personal horsemanship mentor your whole life. For good and for bad, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so if your horses could talk with words, what do you think they would say to you and what would you like to say to them? Oh, gosh, I would just tell them how much I love them and it's so cheesy but seriously I would just just how much they mean to me and and what a big part of my life they are and if they could talk I would hope they would say the same and they'd probably tell me that I'm not giving them enough carrots and that I'm probably not spending enough time with them which has fair enough recently I've been so busy with uni and work and I I really just haven't done as much as I'd love to I'd spend every minute with them if I could and I think that's what they'd say. That's what I'd like them to say anyway. Um, Yeah, I I just, they're just such a big part of my life. Amazing. That's so cool. Um, I did have a couple of Instagram questions, so I put it out. So I picked out a couple. Um, One of them is quite big. So, um, yeah, I'll just throw it at you and you'll probably have to give us the condensed answer. Um, yeah. So how do you train your horses from start to end in camp drafting? Yeah. Right. Okay. No, that's fair enough. So a little breakdown of it would probably yeah. be like they get started, I suppose, like any horse. Like it's it's teaching the basic leg aids. It's teaching the basic rein aids. Um, and that's, that's a lot of training a baby horse. We usually break our horses in at about two, two and a half, and it's, the breaking process is um, maybe five, five minute rides a week. And then they go out for six months and it's really just, it's not even a breaking in process. It's more just an introduction to them to say, Hey, I want to introduce this concept to you because I, I want you to be more open to accepting it later on in life. And obviously the age depends on the size of the horse and, and how they're going mentally and those sorts of things. Um, and then I suppose uh, when they're about three, three and a half, they come back in, they start um, more a fun, just fun riding. It's it, uh, We want our horses to enjoy the riding process. That's a really big thing. Um, and then slow introduction to the mechanical cow. We have two bison that are amazing. They will stay at whatever speed you want to stay. So we can plot around on them behind them on little breakers at a trot and they'll just poke along at a trot or jump on them on a um on an older horse at a flat gallop and they'll just keep in time they're awesome so our bison are a big part of that start camp drafting process and then slow introduction to cattle um until yeah i guess they have their first start at a camp draft and it sometimes goes terribly wrong and you go home and you go okay i need to do this this and this and this because that was 
the horse had no idea what we're doing. It was too much and that's fine. Um, we take a lot of our breakers and babies out with us to competitions, even if we're not competing, just so they can see and they can go, holy dooly, I didn't even know this was possible sort of thing. And yeah, get accustomed to that before you sort of put them in a the yard and say, okay, now work. And they're like, well, well, I still haven't worked out what's going on yet. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a fairly long process, like quite a few years. And um, most of our horses have their first start at a four and a half ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like horses are still growing until they're six. It's not heavy riding. It's mm-hmm. not, um, it's not big rides. It's, it's little short light rides and, um and that sort of exercise on a baby horse can be really beneficial there's obviously a line where it becomes too much and you can hurt the horse but that light riding super beneficial and it strengthens those muscles and gets those joints ready for a ridden career later on in life mm-hmm. yeah yeah awesome. thank you and um another one is what advice would you give someone wanting to teach their horse how to rear um make sure that they are already know when appropriate times to do things are so I definitely wouldn't be teaching a horse um, if they're a baby that's just me personally um, because babies don't understand when times are appropriate to do something or not mm-hmm. um, I accidentally taught Zink how to rear when he was three and um, it it started I don't even know how it started, but he reared and I was like, whoa, that was so cool. Okay. And then I added a cue for it. It was amazing. And then we got home. We were away at the time we got home and he just did it all the time. And he went, hey, look at me. This is cool. You liked it last time. I'll do it again, even in inappropriate times. And I sort of had to, I had to then break it. And I said, you know, okay, no, no rearing allowed whatsoever. And, um, and that was when he was quite young and it was a very short period of like a week. I know it was heartbreaking <laughs> for me because he picked it up so easily, but at least I had that reassurance of, okay, later down the track when yes. he knows, okay, now is an appropriate time and I can't just do it all the time. I think it's sort of like, I guess if you put it like a baby, they shake their head a lot. So when you first put the halter or the bridle on them and it's sort of like an older horse wouldn't shake their head a lot because they know it's just not appropriate and they just don't need to do it. So I think it's, that would be my biggest piece of advice for teaching a rear is knowing that being confident that your horse isn't just going to do it inappropriately um, because it is, it is a big, powerful movement. And if you're standing in the wrong spot, it can end not in the best way. So yeah, I think that would be my only advice for that. Yeah. Good answer. And um, before we wrap up, can you tell us, what is next for you and where do you see yourself in 10 years time and what is your ultimate goal with horses? <sighs> that is a very big question, Amalia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, uh, I'll do a little short term thing, I suppose. First, I am, uh, I'm preparing for another event, a Liberty and Trick Demo in October at the Cowgirls Gathering, which I'm really excited for. I'm really, my goal is to have Zinc going a lot better by then and more confident in Liberty and Tricks, which will be really cool. So I can have a little bit of a duo team, which would be heaps of fun. Um, That would be short-term, long-term. I would love to have um, Bugsy, Zinc and Lynx going together in a bit of a Liberty trio. That would be just 
awesome. I would love that. Um, horse riding wise, I suppose I love competing. I definitely don't want to stop that. I want to keep my horses loving it. Definitely want to keep up with my liberty and tricks. I, I guess it's a little bit hard for me to think about starting zinc and then links from from the dot again like Bugsy's fairly well trained I suppose in a way now and I've taught him most things that I want to be able to teach him so then to bring zinc in and go okay you know absolutely none of this you know how to bow and how to lay down and we have to pretty much start all over again and and I'm, I'm excited it's a little bit overwhelming but at the same time I'm so excited to get to do that again and see with him, okay, like I did all these different ways with Bugsy. This one works the best. Now let's see which works for you. So I'm I'm very excited just to improve my general training ways and abilities. And I love teaching. I want to keep teaching. And I think um, people can learn a lot. I, I learn a lot by just teaching what I'm saying because I, I say it to them and I go, oh, yeah, that is how I do it. So just saying <laughs> it out loud is, is yes. sort of like, it reassures you and how you do it and then you see it work for someone else and you're like no that is a really good way I love that and yeah I think that's probably the biggest thing on the horizon for me 10 years time 10 years time would just be me horses living my best life (laughs) I love that yeah (laughs) sounds like you've got a really bright horsey future ahead of you (laughs) that's the plan that's the plan (laughs) so tell us where our guests can find out more about you um instagram sofa to bugsy uh, i do have a facebook page i think it's sofa to bugs um i don't generally post as much on there as i should but i'll try and keep up with that um and then if yeah i mean like i said i i give lessons if people want to meet me in person if they want to meet the horses if they want to try and learn something from a very unprofessional sort of winging at me (laughs) they're more than welcome to send me a message and I'm happy to work something out and yeah just have a bit of fun that's all it's about excellent I love that well thank you so much for joining us on the horsemanship breakthroughs podcast I've had so much fun chatting with you and I've loved each and every one of your answers to these questions and yeah you've just got a really nice fun and positive energy it's been great speaking (laughs) with you tonight and I'm sure everyone has got a lot out of today's interview so thank you again yeah thank you so much for having me it has been a blast i've loved talking to you it's been great thanks for listening to the horsemanship breakthroughs podcast make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is released and if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show i would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on apple podcasts If you have any questions from today's show, suggestions for future episodes, or just want to reach out and say hi, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Remember to also register for my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com.